We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello again. My name is Mark Corby and it's another As It Was When It Was special. Uh, delighted to be joined yet again by Mick Wizen and this time we're going to follow straight on from the previous podcast which covered the 1986-87 season and we're going to continue on for the following season which was the 1987-88 season. Good afternoon Mick, how are you doing today? Hello, Mark. Yeah, good afternoon. Doing fine. Hope you're, hope you're well. Yeah, good man. Good man. We, uh, as, as we discussed, we're going to crack straight on. There's no point in uh, jumping from season uh, randomly. We're going to because it was quite an exciting time. You know, it was was stopped up as we discussed uh, in the previous podcast um, in 1987. Paul Goddard and Gascoigne's form uh, saved the day. Um, but sad news, wasn't it? Because uh, we lost um, a, a Newcastle legend. Let's say we lost Peter Beardsley. Mate, can you remember much? About that and how, how what your feelings were. Well, I think we sort of discussed in the last one. Um, it was inevitable that it, you know, like the back end of the season, um, he sort of said his goodbyes, didn't he? So it came as, as no major shock. Um, the, the the manner of the way Newcastle was run, it was always going to happen. Piazzi was absolutely playing out of his skin. Um, he was always going to go higher. Um, of course, there was disappointment. Um, why wouldn't that be? Um, but we're sort of like we had lost Waddle uh, in a very similar sort of situation, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And whereas Waddle went with um, a lot of stick, all the Judas stuff, which I never ever like sort of took part in myself. They put up the idea where we're pretty much goodwill. Um, they knew that it was a club decision, and it wasn't Peter's decision as such. Well- or, uh, before before we continue on, Biazzi, because obviously I've you know done my research and uh, from what I remember at the time, Chris Waddle. Just, just, just let's just pause on this. Chris Waddle, obviously he was your first hero. You've mentioned before. Uh, I unfortunately never seen him in black and white. Why why was he branded a Judas, Mick? What what did he do differently to what the likes of Biazzi did? Well, that, that was something I always baffled with me. I mean, there's a lot of time and. Being my hero, um, who I really, really hero worship. Obviously, when I first started going, it was Peter Wiss and Alan Shoulder, but that didn't, I was a bit young for the, the hero sort of thing with that. With Waddle, I don't know. I, I never got it. I thought he was very unfairly um, threatened at the time. Mm-hmm. I, I, think, I think the fans were really out of uh, out of order for the way he went on. Maybe he said things differently to what Beardsley said. I don't know. I can't remember it, but I just thought he was given really unfair stick. I mean, later, yes, you found out he was a, he was a raven, Mac, so maybe yeah. he deserved it. But, <laughs> well, but I don't know. I, I can't answer 
answer that? Maybe other people can. I can't. Well, I read, a, I read a book probably around about 10, 15 years ago now, an, an excellent book called 50 Years of Hurt. Um, absolutely fantastic. The, 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 uh, the writer, he spoke to all the right people over, over them 50 years, and I think it took up to around about 2005, possibly. And, um, and, and basically, what one, of the, one of the interesting stories was he got Jack Charlton's point of view and he got Chris Waddle's. And the one thing that stuck out for me was Chris Waddle turned around and said was signed um, the likes of George Riley, and he was put on basically three times as much money as Chris Waddle was. And Chris Waddle, Chris Waddle was an England international, and he was what best player, uh, well, debatable with Peter Piazzi, of course. But he, he said he just couldn't understand the the process behind Jack Charlton. Jack Charlton trapped the money as if he was, it was his own, and he said it wasn't all about the money. But he just said Newcastle clearly didn't match my ambition, and and he, and he also said, obviously, as you mentioned. You know, uh, Jack Charlton signed big, big planks up front, and Waddle was, you know, not not the forward anymore. He's put out on the wing, which I suppose that's how he made his name. But it was a, a bit of a waste. Um, so that was with Chris Waddle. But Peter Piazzi again. Um, I watched a, a great documentary called um, I think it was Black and White and Red All Over, something like that. It was released about nineteen eighty nine ish, and yeah. it was all with a battle with a board. Um, again, it's, I, I got a hold of it and put it on YouTube, so it's there for the listeners to, to watch. And what, again, Peter Piazzi, you know, he, he said that the club come back um, with a wage offer and made him out to be greedy. And he, and he said it, it wasn't the money; it was just the fact that they, that showed no in, intention to sort of match his ambitions and try and kick on as a football club. So, you know, in 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 more recent years, she had given some some people called him a Judas, but. It was the same sort of scenario. You just looked at the club yeah. and look. I know I'm, I'm. I know I'm up there with one of the best goalkeepers. You're not matching my ambition. Want want a, a massive slide down now under Mike Ashley. And and, and given had had enough. I, I don't name these people. A, a Judas, just to, just to summarise this, a Judas to me is someone like Johan Kabai who refused to play for the club. That for yeah, me is a Judas. I would, yeah, I would agree with that, and that's why I can never quite understand why Peter Piazzi was given a like a, he was given a. He must have no abuse at all for it, yeah. which is right. And I, and why him and Waddle works right differently, I don't know. And I remember the same sort of stuff getting the awards given, but not with the same passion. Poor, yeah. poor Waddle, what Waddle got, he got terrible abuse. And 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 so did, and so did Gaza. Gaza got the same sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And wasn't it just the same sort of thing? You yeah. Know? Yeah, maybe it was because the same for Spurs, Cockney club. Who knows, mate? Who knows? We're, we're stereotyped in a lot of ways, and we don't we don't like Cockneys apparently. So who knows, mate? But uh, but be, but is gone. Uh, the summer, the summer came and went, and and obviously um, I, I remember watching the um, Rowis Cup game, England versus Brazil. I'd never heard of uh, the chap called Mirandina, um, and uh, uh, to be perfectly honest with you, I can't remember the the sort of. I was too young to really, you know, watch, uh, read the papers. I, it, you, you basically, my, my fix on football was watching, I don't know if you remember it, it was that, um, the the programme on a Friday night, it was on very, very late. It was Extra Time with Roger Thames and uh, Doug yeah, Weatherall. Yeah, they used to show the goals and any, you know, sports clips. Anyway, I just, I just remember watching that and, and thinking, oh, right, we've signed Mirandina, Brazilian, and it would always show that top and he scored... At Wembley against Brazil uh, against England in a one-one draw, can you can you remember much about the, the signing? What, what what the the impact was? Did it excite you? You know, can you summarise? 
Oh, it was exciting. I mean, it was the first Brazilian to, to ever come and play in the top of the, the top league in, in England, yeah. as far as I can remember. Um, you know what it's like when you're a Newcastle supporter? We get a lot of sick and all that. I mean, we're, we're accused of being deluded and, and, and we'll expect this and we'll expect that. Now, we got this Brazilian player, right? Well, like, none of them knew anything about Right, but he was Brazilian, right? Mm-hmm. So everyone's going around in sombreros and and all sorts, and the the, the, the excitement that we had up was ridiculous. Um, I remember he when we go to the Catholic High School at Bell, and he, he was taking his uh, bands to the first school next door, and we met him uh, in yeah, the school he's... gate, and he signed that I've got a, an old Newcastle fixture that's from this particular season with his, his signature on it. You know, it was great excitement. It was something totally different, and it did. I think in a way it did take away a little bit of the, the, the grief about losing Biazzi because you're getting this big unknown, you know. And I actually thought, man, I, was, I thought he was, uh, he scored some cracking goals and that, and he was a bloody handful, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, 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 so it's sort of, um, at the time, it probably just pacified the supporters and the excitement. It took, it took the bit of the pressure off, and perhaps that's why people didn't really give Biazzi the grief when he, when he returned a couple of months later in the Liverpool shape. But we'll come to that in a moment. Um, another another signing coming that there. Uh, so, so you, 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 you know, we discussed before, a lot of people say the uh, Peter Biazzi money was spent on a new stand. Um, but we're saying Merendina, again, second successive season, uh, club record, 575,000. But can you remember the other, um, the other player who'll come in that summer? Well, well, if if I said um, the, the previous season Wimbledon with a surprise package, um, oh. we end up signing their left midfielder Glenn Hodges at Glenn Hodges um, oh, for three hundred thousand. And um, again, I can't remember much about that time, but we will just finalise uh, the, the talk on Hodges to say that he lasted seven games and he was sold to, sold to Watford straight away. You know, so yeah. enough said about him. The better, but but hey, we started the season three one defeat. It uh, it Tottenham probably no real surprise. Tottenham, uh, you know, still had their stars in like Clive Allen, Waddle, Hoddle, etc. In fact, no Hoddle had gone by then, hadn't he? Hoddle had left, but um, we got a good result down at Sheffield Wednesday, one nil. Uh, Darren Jackson, and then um, I believe it was Forest at home. Yes, Forest at home, one nil, one nil defeat. So one point, uh, sorry, three points in nine. Uh, same old Newcastle, we could say. But then it was uh, Norwich away, Mirandina's debut, 1st of September. Um, now, I remember it simply because of the news, the news clips, which again, I think probably sound like a broken record. Um, they're, up on, they're up on YouTube for people to see. And one thing I do remember about this game before I let you, you talk, if, um, if you don't mind, is I remember that the, the, on, the, on the, the footage, um, he wanted to take everything from corners to free kicks. If he was shooting from anywhere. And, you know, considering... He he was a brave brave fella. I mean, one of the free kicks he took was from about forty yards out, and it was nowhere near the target. But the Newcastle supporters were going mental. They were probably thinking, ah, you know, forty yards over the bar, and uh, they were just singing his name. Um, can, can you remember much about the, the, the debut, the impact, or was it just a case of you you just seen the the news clips as well? Well, I mean, at the time, if. Me personally, if I wasn't at the game, I always had it on the radio. Yeah. Um, I would never miss it. I went back from being a kid, like you know. Um, you have been introduced to the crowd at the, before the Forest game, and I mean that would be quite a, a big sort of um, lot of excitement. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, I remember being paraded around the pitch and what have you, and then obviously ultimately we lost. 
side but we'll, we'll talk about them in a moment but uh, but yeah we, we got beat off Wimbledon I, I, one thing I do remember is um, a freak goal wasn't it I think it was an Alan Cork header hit the crossbar hit Martin Thomas and bounced back into the net so it was classed as an own goal and, and that was Martin Thomas's actual last last game for the club um, that, oh, really? uh, yeah um, I, I, I remember that particular game because me and my mate got in late because uh, uh-huh. I was um I can't remember if it was because I was killed or it was just him being useless and being late. Or um, well, I actually got in as the cork header hits uh, the crossbar and bounces in off the back uh, Martin Thomas. And then I think Cork gets another one just pretty much straight away. Yeah. <laughs> I just walked into the ground and was 2 0 down, like, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the game, the game was gone. I think Neil McDonald got a penalty later on. He did. Um, I, I mean, very easy to say it was a bit of a come down that. But Mirandina made up for it the following week. I mean, we went to. Uh, Went to Old Trafford and, uh, uh, you know, an excellent first half. You know, I think we went one down, two, one up. And then Man United equalises before half-time. But, you know, two-two draw, Marantina, I mean, Christ, he made, he, you know, he made an impact there, didn't he? Man United away. Definitely. I think I think that's when people really seem something to be excited about. Um, again, in that game, he was, like, taking a lot of stuff on in that. But um, I just remember him, it was, like, a flying in head. type of thing, if I remember right. Uh, one of the goals mm-hmm. um, from a corner, possibly, um, in a, a packed away end. Mm-hmm. Um, but, we, 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 yeah, we gave them a right good game that day. We really did. And uh, maybe it's unfortunate not to get something there. Uh, more, you know. Well, well, the following week we were live on the telly. Uh, match of the day cameras come to St James's, and, and one thing I do remember about this is uh, obviously Supermac had played a part in the uh, the transfer. He he acted as I think he was the go between the club and um, and the Brazilian agent, um, and he was <laughs> rather biased. He was picked as the co commentator that day. Um, with John Motson, and it was just basically the Mirandina show, you know, all he did was talk about the impact he's going to have, but also what, what was interesting when you watch it back, is how much he talked about how much money Mirandina was going to make, you know, mm-hmm. off co- commercial side of it, sponsors, etc, and um, obviously it was a return of Peter Biazzi that day as well, uh, but, but lo and behold, um, you know, we got a football lesson that day, didn't we? The Stevie Nichols show wasn't yeah. Stevie Nichols had a, had an awful habit of um, basically beating one on, on his own, like you know. Um, it wasn't the first time we were, we were coming across out of Stevie Nichols. Um, I remember the clamour for for tickets for this game because uh, you got to bear in mind, like I said, that you only had the paddock. The, 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 main, the main West Stand was well, well the, the new stand was getting built, so yeah. um, you know, yeah, a crowd of twenty four thousand. Was pretty pretty full, you know. And yeah. um, I remember the camera trying to get the tickets. So I think we were on work experience at the time. Me and my mate were we had to nick off and go and get tickets for the match. And yeah, excitement for the game was was great. But one night anti climax it was, you know. Um, again, we, we, we were football lesson. But Liverpool used to give football lessons to everybody. 
you know, so it was no you. Yeah, oh, understandable. And, and it's it's funny because uh, I always remember um, the following week we uh, played Southampton at home. And uh, again, the footage clearly shows there was a. Uh, it it wasn't as bad as a bed sheet, shall we say, but it was a, a a banner up in the the Gallagher end, and it basically said sack the board. And I think the the, the result of that was, uh, or the reason for that was because in the midweek we went to Blackpool, who were then a third division side, and we got beat one uh, nil in the Littlewoods Cup first leg, and and what old what old player Tony uh, Tony Cunningham scored. Um, so 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 obviously. Yeah, so it came, it came from Gaza over playing the ball, uh, messing on with the ball, if I remember right, and, and Tony Cunham, I think, robs him and scores. He's, he, exa- uh, exactly right, exactly right. And, uh, we had a big away following down there, you know, and uh, yeah, the alarm bells were starting to ring, um, yeah. you know, and, and then we, we obviously had a, that result just before the Southampton game. And um, if you remember the, when Mira scores against Southampton, he runs to William Arfall and the. Yeah. the the, the relief, you know, that, that that was a big win. That that was that was a very that sort of set up a little bit. That. It really did. Without a doubt. Well, that, well, that day, obviously, we won 2-1. Um, so it was only our second win of the season. But it was, you know, you notice there, the, the crowds had dropped by 6,000 within a week. You know, so uh, just, it just goes to show we've always been quite proud of uh, our attendances over the last, should we say, capacity crowds for probably 95, 96%. Of the, of the last probably two, 27, 28 years. Um, yeah. But, you know, before then, the, the attendances did yo-yo a lot. And, uh, you know, to, to lose uh, over 6,000 in, in a week, um, yeah. you know, it, it's, it really stands out that. But, hey, we won 2-1, got, got out of the relegation zone. Paul Goddard had scored his uh, first league goal of the season. And Mirandina, got, as you say, got his first um, home goal. Um, decent result at Chelsea, 2-2. Um, I, I think we were two 0 down at one point in that game, so uh, crack, crack and uh, turn around, and then we um, we beat uh, Blackpool at home four uh, one. We turned it around and beat them four um, two. Again, this always baffles me about um, you know football now. Um, the attendances were always really decent for cup games back then. Um, you know, perhaps, perhaps you know. Even though we're one 0 down and we're playing the third division side, we've got over twenty one thousand there that day. Um, yeah. You know, and, and as I say, we beat them four one. Probably memorable. I don't know if you remember uh, Gascoigne's celebration when he did sort of like a, a shuffle dance. Um, yeah. In in yeah. also the uh, the players started to do this random jumping high five. Can you remember that celebration? Yeah, yeah, I mean. First of all, touching on the cooking and the, and the tents, there was always something special about midweek games then as well. When St James's was an open ground, it was it was. You talk about playing on the floodlights. Uh, it, it was when you see the grainy footage, but now it looks like it's pitch black basically. But yeah. um, there was something special about it. And yeah, because I started doing this little shuffle dance, and um, it was jo- Johnny Cornwall was always one of his best friends for doing the uh, hard, hard yeah. slaps and yeah. Uh-huh. Um, that particular game though was a funny one because we're one 0 down and then they come they come and score straight away and you think oh well that's it we're not G- Gaza had umpteen chances in this game uh, and I remember Tinian measuring the ball home for uh, for the goal he scores which was inch perfect yeah. but what always stands out in my mind and I and I appeal to anybody who hasn't seen it in this day and age you keep on hearing people going on about scenes about you know like when they see all the scenes in the crowd you watch Mirandina's goal. First of all, he, he brings the ball down expertly and then he, he, he races through and he smashes the net. 
celebrations in the corner. You talk about scenes, honestly, yeah. watch that. Yeah. That was scenes. I was in the scoreboard, but I always remember the, the, the highlights and just seeing how mental, because we're, turned, we're basically turned around. Yeah. And then um, Darren Jackson gets one, and then Gaza gets his goal. Gaza had unbeaten chances. Yeah. Um, but tenure measures uh, was often forgetting the boat, you know. Um, he measures a beautiful ball to him, like. Brilliant stuff. Well, so we're through the next round. Um, as I say, we had uh, that two-two draw Chelsea, and then and we played Everton come to town. Um, you, you know, um, Norman Riley, who's uh, heavily involved with the the, the podcast, he, he interviewed Mirandina. It's well worth a listen. He actually met him over in uh, over in Brazil last year, and he he was with him for about half an hour. And obviously, there's a bit of uh, broken English in there, but he was he was hilarious, Mirandina. But he he said that um, one of his favourite goals was the. Uh, in the game against Everton, because simply because he was up against Kevin Ratcliffe, who not many listeners may have, may recall or even know who he is, but uh, he was he was a tough centre half at a very very decent Everton side, and you know and we went behind with an early goal in Mirandina, a great great passing move, crossing from McDonald and Mirandina Bulletera. Uh, yeah. back, back in the net Gallagher end, and he he said that was one of his most enjoyable goals simply because of who it was against. Um, yeah, yeah, I remember the game early because. Um, I remember them having extended highlights of it either the next day or the, that next yes. um, and we used to watch it back quite a I can't remember it being exactly a brilliant game but um, was it was it playing Snowden that uh, Snowden Snowden that they put him in the lead only in the lead for a couple of minutes uh, before yeah. we get one back Snodden got, Snodden got sent off and then uh, Adrian Heath got sent off later on I've just remembered that uh, yeah. Adrian Heath I think was for a kick out but uh, but great result against Everton who bear in mind were champions the previous season um, so, so so great result went to Coventry uh, beaten 3-1 um, yeah, that, that was a big result at the time man. actually that was a, that was a cracking win that one well Coventry had won the cup hadn't they the previous season yeah so, that was a big win <laughs> So yeah, a uh, f- fantastic result. And then, unfortunately, uh, the, the boogie side Wimbledon knocked out of the uh, the Littlewoods Cup. And I'm sure you remember this as well. You mentioned Gascoigne; his chances he had even more in this game. But I remember um, we absolutely battered them, but got be two one. Little Terry Gibson scored a last minute winner, and um, I always remember this was probably the start of Gascoigne getting really, really noticed. Um, I always remember Satan Greavesy doing a bit of a, 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 a profile, shall we say, on him. Um, now bear in mind, it's a thirty; it was a thirty-minute program, but they spent a good ten minutes talking about him and how how brilliant he was, how brilliant he looked. But ultimately, every clip they showed, it was all the chances he missed. Uh, you know, but he was getting in these advanced positions. He was really, really, you know, we, we, we touched, we touched before that the, the, the team was in a sense getting built around him. Um, there's, a, there's an old uh, tale that we needed two balls, one for Mirandina and one for one for Gascoigne. Um, but but yeah, we, we, we crash out of the the, the Little Woods Cup, and then uh, we, we, we go on a bit of a bad run. We play Arsenal, we get beat. Luton hammered four 0 which we'll, we'll discuss more about them later, I'm sure. Uh, Derby at home nil nil, uh, which was memorable for uh, Peter Shilton. You know, getting a ten out of ten in all the papers, he he's, he was unplayable that day. He stopped everything uh, coming his way. Uh, decent point down at QPR because QPR were challenging Liverpool at the time at the early start of the season under under Jim Smith, who would obviously become become manager. Charlton Athletic though, we they were always going to be amongst us down the bottom. We played them the back end of Charlton, uh, back end of November, should I say, and. Um, we beat them 2-1. You, you mentioned the boy uh, John Cornwell there scoring, I think it was his only goal for the club, and Mirandina got the winner. But one thing 
I remember more about this game is there. Uh, I don't know if you remember, but a, a challenge by John Anderson. Down. Yes, take take it away, Mick. What 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 do you remember? Well, I just remember it being absolutely disgusting. The lad, the lad's been poleaxed in the corner, and the corner starts chucking stuff down on him. Yeah. Um, it was a little reminder that we're still in times where people just, you know, just. I don't know if you want to talk about because it was embarrassing, really. Um, there was a lot of idiots still going to the game then, you know, and yeah. um, uh, it was it was it was. Uh, I'd rather forget about it, really, but. Um, I don't think it was any intention by John Anderson. John Anderson was a was a fierce tackler, or it was more the fact that the fans decided that they thought it was all, it was fair enough for the lighters off the lad and coins yeah. and that, you know. Well, that was that was the second game in a row where it had been marred um, home game, should I say? That had been marred by a little, a little bit of. Uh... You know, turmoil on the terraces because I don't know if you remember the previous game against Arsenal. Uh, someone threw a firework onto the pitch at one of the Arsenal players. Um, you know, and that went off. Um, so that that come from the corner. And then obviously you've got that. The, the the reason why I brought it up is because um, I mentioned in the last podcast I had a good chat with John Anderson a couple of years ago. Some little memories and and the, the thing I remember I, I said to him, John, I, I always remember tackle you put in. Um, Against uh, against against Charlton, and I wasn't there because I, I still hadn't attended g- uh, games by then. But a, a friend of mine who got a few years on me, he said he remembers being in the corner, and he says when he heard the tackle go in, you could hear the break. You know, you could hear the snap of his leg. And I said to John Anderson, I says it's one of the. Th- I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. And he went seriously. He says I went for the ball, and he went, and no one was more devastated than me that that I'd basically. Mm-hmm. You know, wipe his season out, but uh, but Colin Walsh would come back to haunt us anyway, wouldn't he? He, he had a good stint at Middlesbrough and scored a couple of goals against us a few years later. But uh, but yeah, so on to um, Oxford away, who had a terrible start the season. Uh, I think that am I right in thinking they had uh, Robert Maxwell as the owner at the time, or oh, he was trying to buy the club or something, wasn't he? Robert Maxwell. Yeah, I, Maxwell was Maxwell was in around the club at the time. Like, uh, he was uh, a <laughs> a funny old character, him, wasn't he? Well. Yeah, but, um, We'll get a cracking result down there, by the way, hi. Well, Michael O'Neill, um, who I should have mentioned a little bit earlier, he had just signed for the club from uh, Coleraine in Northern Ireland for 100000 Again, another one who sort of came across and was sort of classed as, yeah, let's, let's, see, let's build him up to sort of see if he can make his debut in a year or so. But he was fast, he was fast in the team, um, albeit a sub the majority of the first couple of months. But he scored his first goal that, that day. Um, and I also remember... Uh, Dean Saunders playing for Oxford up front, who was you know starting to make a name for himself. He he uh, had a penalty saved by Gary Kelly, uh, mm. but it was retaken for uh, had to be retaken for encroachment, and uh, ultimately scored. But as you say, great result three one, and then we we'll, we we'll play Portsmouth, which I've never ever seen um, the footage apart from the sending off. Um, there was a sending off in this game. We, we drew one one. Apparently, uh, you know, ex Mac and Paul Hardyman. Um, he apparently he scored a scream on that day, but I'm just going by the match reports. Mirandina uh, scored for us, equalised for us, but um, there was a bit of a bit of a bust up in the the Gallagher uh, goal mouth. Can we were, were you there? Mick? You remember much about that and, and what happened? All right, yeah, I was in I was in the scoreboard. It happened right in front of us. Um, I can't remember what led to it, but it was it was a free for all for one for for a, a little spell and. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing Quinny was playing for Portsmouth at the time. Seems to seem to be. Yeah. Um, you're right about Hardy, went, uh, that, that's right. Um, possibly Kevin Dillon in their side at the time as well. Yeah. And, um, and uh, what, what, what sticks in my mind is 
John Coleman's got two of them in a headlock. Yeah. <laughs> He's got two of them in a headlock. And Peter Jackson just eats in somebody, basically. Smacks him. Yeah. Um, and it was... It was just a free for all, you know. It was, of course, the crowd's giving it the jury aggro and all this sort of stuff. But um, I can't even remember what kicked it off. Well, it, well, I just remember. I, re- I remember just an image from it, and and he has he has um, Johnny Hatchet, as we used to call him. Yeah. <laughs> and he had these two blokes under his arms, like it And I think as in the same image. Jackson's just done one of them, you know. Aye. Well, well, as it happens, um, it was uh, Kevin Dillon and uh, Jackson sent off, but um, Kevin Ball was one of the ones who he had in a headlock. Hard man, Kevin Ball. <laughs> yeah. Hard man, Barley. Yeah. Uh, Barley. Barley. So he, yeah. he was one of them. But uh, quick defeat at, at West Ham. Um, disappointing just before Christmas. And then we beat Man United at home. Uh, biggest... Biggest league crowd of the season, 26,000. Obviously, as you said before, the West Stand, soon to be the Milburn Stand, that, that was getting redeveloped. Um, but, you know, that, 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 that result, you know, I think Glenn Rhoda scored just before half-time. But one thing what sticks out to me is um, Paul Gascoigne, he was up against uh, Remy Moses, if you remember him, for Man United. And he totally, totally, um, you know, took, took the piss in midfield, Gascoigne, controlled the whole game. But what one one little story from that is apparently Gascoigne megged him, and uh, when the ball went elsewhere, Moses was running past him, and and, and Gascoigne just patted him on his afro, as if to say, uh, "There you go, mate. Try and keep it with me." And and, Re- and Remy Moses, you know, he was a decent player for West Brom then, uh, then Man United. So, uh, but yeah, one 0 against um, against uh, Man United on Boxing Day, up to the dizzy heights of twelfth. Um, so it would really turn it around because that that would have been. I think we're because we got beat my first three home games. I think we had uh, after the the Arsenal defeat. I think we're we're doing well. I think we had one, two, and drew two of the following four home games. So we started to turn around at home. We we're quite quite consistent away. We had won three, I think, and lost three at that point. But uh, we're going to uh, Liverpool on the twenty eighth. Mick, I, I believe you were there that day, mate. Um, Liverpool away. <laughs> I mean, I was obviously at the Man United home game as well, where it was a chuckle block and it was a massive win, but um, you, you pretty much touched on that. But yeah, I went down to Liverpool um, on the 28th. Uh, you know, I honestly wasn't expecting anything. It was just I decided to go to that particular game. Um, they already somewhere at home. They were virtually unplayable anyway. And I can't really say anything about the game, bar, and we just got absolutely slaughtered, really. Uh, we never stood a chance. Uh, mm-hmm. No complaints. Or just there for the beating, really. So I mean, Liverpool. Let's be honest. I think they were they were undefeated that season until about the March time, uh, when Everton of all teams beat them at Goodison Park. But you know, when you when you factor in the fact that we played them twice and the beat were also over two games, eight one. Um, you know, we're, we're never in either game, were we? Um, yeah. So yeah. not not an unexpected uh, result. And I bet you any money that day. I bet you the, the did the players get applauded off. You know, were they, were they still singing? Oh. Of course, I mean, you used to get, we'll support you evermore and all this sort of stuff, you know. It, somebody had been, been going for years, there was one thing about Newcastle fans, when you went away, you, you didn't turn on the team, like you sometimes see that now, um, turn on the team and giving the players abuse. I can't really remember that being a, a, a case because to go away from home and to win as a Newcastle fan was never really expected yeah. so you sort of used to go with the attitude that we're probably going to lose anyway mm-hmm. and if we if we get a draw brilliant if we win poor well it, we weren't stupid we knew who we were playing yeah. we knew that it, it, you know anything 
more than four, you probably wouldn't even be surprised at that. In the, in the world of machine, it's as simple as that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, at the time Liverpool were walking away already with the league, then pretty much to what uh, what they've well, we'll say they've tried to achieve this season before the, uh, yeah. the, the the virus, which is you know massive shame for them. Hopefully, hopefully, that uh, they'll still get the title, however they get it. But um, yeah. but yet New Year's Day games were coming thick and fast. New Year's Day, Nottingham Forest away now. Forest, great side. We've, we've mentioned Forest before, great side. But Christ, we we go there and we get we get a a cracking two 0 win. Yeah, well, that, that was that was a that was a really unexpected win. That one, yeah. I remember listening on the radio New Year's Day with the, the parents and all that you score on New Year's Day, and I was just me and my mate, and um, we were just absolutely leaping all over the, the sitting room that day because we didn't expect to get it. I was only at Liverpool just a couple of days before that, three days before that, and seen we're getting you know our horses handed over. But they go to Nottingham Forest, and I always just remember um, the image of seeing Gaza and um, I think Mira like sort of holding each other's arms up in the air after 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 the game. You know, yeah. it was it. That was it. That was a big win. That one, a really big win. Uh, I wish I had been there. It's one of them ones where you wish I had been at. You know. Aye. Oh, without a doubt, there'll, there'll be numerous. But uh, but madly, I mean, these were the days when uh, over Christmas you would play two fixtures. Uh, in consecutive days, which it's, uh, no, normally it was Christmas week uh, between Christmas and New Year, but this time it was the first and second of January. I mean, imagine that now you've got to travel somewhere in the country for a for an away game, um, and then the following day you're at home. And, and and you know, to be fair, no one there wasn't like a squad rotation. It was the same team within within twenty four hours they were, they were playing again. Chef went home. And I always remember a little tale you told me about this one because I know you were there. Uh, it's another one where the crowd was announced as twenty five and a half thousand. Now 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 bear bear in mind um there was twenty six and a half against Man United, but you've always told me that it, it seemed to be a little bit more than more than capacity on that day, Sheffield Wednesday. Definitely. I mean, quickly touching on what you said there about the, the, the fixture congestion. I mean, we played Liverpool on the 28th. Man, Man United, the 26th. Liverpool, the 28th. The first Forest in the second Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> People will be having a meltdown now. But um, Sheffield Wednesday. Take a look at the highlights of that game and you'll see for the first time ever there was actually a crowd in front of the, the temporary stand in the Leaser's end. Yeah, right. Right. Um, I was in the I was in the Gallagher, and I remember it's one of the only times I've ever felt anything like scared at home when mm-hmm. I was a crush because mm-hmm. it was that full you couldn't breathe. I was right at the back of the uh, scoreboard, and, and it was always the trick. Then was always trying to get your back against the barrier because if you get in front of the barrier, you've had it. And I just remember I got pushed under the barrier, and. Um, Fortunately, I was all right, but I was getting crushed there, man. And, and I remember the laughter when they announced the crowd was unbelievable because yeah. if you seriously telling me that was only 25,000 in there, no chance. That was more like 30. Well, well there's, there's two ways you can, you can say perhaps people were uh, getting generous tips on the gates that day or perhaps the club were uh, you know, not officially... Uh, announcing the correct people through no, because uh, no. you know what I mean in, in Potter and uh, some loose silver shall we say but who who are we yeah. to, uh, who are we to accuse Gordon McKee uh, but, but, <laughs> but yeah I mean great, great start because yeah, Sheffield Wednesday were no pushovers we, we, we drew 2-2 Paul Gorrell getting uh, two goals um, and, th- and then, then for me th- this is when I really really started paying massive massive attention I mean a lot of games we've discussed I remember watching the highlights I remember watching news clips you know the fact that Mirandina side I remember knowing about Michael O'Neill and things like that 
But th- th- I don't know why, but this month it was probably the first month where I was like, started getting really fascinated, you know, getting the pink, uh, making sure that whoever went to the match would bring us a programme back because I still hadn't been. But, but you know, you know, un- unfortunately, from a personal point of view, there was a, a death in the family. And um, it, it was one of those ones where, because it was me mother's brother, um, things were just obviously all over the place. We were only still kids and we didn't know what was going on. But my uncle sort of took us a little bit under the way, under his wing and would take us to his house on Saturday nights to watch Match of the Day with his girlfriend and things like that, you know, just to sort of give me mum a little bit of space. But, um, but, but yeah, I, I, I remember a lot about football from this point on. Um, and the point I think I'm trying to make is, is we, we play Palace at home um, in the cup. I, I'm assuming you were there, Mick, because you were at every bloody game. But uh, memorable for a certain excellent goal from Paul Gascoigne. Absolutely, he, he cracks one and it, it sort of doesn't lodge in, in, in the uh, stanchion, but it rattles, it doesn't it? And uh, I remember from my vantage point in the gallery, where he shapes the shoot, you knew he was going to shoot. But just to touch on Gasline briefly, you know, we talked about a little bit earlier about his cameo role down in Wimbledon in the cup, and then uh, there was a, an in depth look at him when we played Derby, and Gasline now is unplayable. He's yeah. absolutely unplayable. No wonder he was sold because he, this the lads he's peeking here now, like, and I'm just so pleased I got to see him. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he was he was winning games single handedly, you know. Yeah. I, I remember him cracking that one in in in, in the old um, high hand slap. Him and Johnny Coleman after he done it, but it, it never came as a surprise because he had that in his locker. Right. What a, what a strike! I remember Pardew was playing for them. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, but he actually he actually scored a disallowed goal. It was given offside. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, you know, a very very respectable crowd. Twenty twenty thousands turn twenty well nearly twenty and a half thousand turn up. Uh, Gascoigne brilliant goal one nil through the next round, and then the the the, the you know as you as we mentioned on the eighty six eighty seven season, we had a bit of a bit of a bad winter again. So fixes were getting postponed. So we had this mad spell of playing loads of home games off off the bounce. Uh, obviously, we had played Chef Word. Played Palace in the Cup. And then um, the next game was uh, Tottenham, who were apparently, you know, after this game, rumour has it that the they either tapped them up or made it well known that they were after Gascoigne. Um, I'm assuming you were at the game, Gascoigne, two goals. What, what do you remember about the game, Mick? Well, I remember having to drag myself out in sick bed to go because I wasn't very well. I had some right. sort of blue or some sort of something going on, and um, I was absolutely knackered. But I wasn't going to, I hadn't missed the game all season at home, so I wasn't going to miss this one. And I, I dragged myself to the match. It was a horrible day. Yeah. It was sleepy, it was, it was just it was freezing. I'm full of cold, or floor, whatever it was, and I took myself into the, it would have been the A wing. Uh, the one near the Lillies, that's the paddock next to the Lillies. Yeah, the evening, yeah. And, and I stood there, um, pretty much just feeling like shite. But um, it was, again, it was a Gaza show, like, you know, and we made a very good Tottenham team look dead average that day. Like, we really did, we, we played really well. Um, and it just sticks in my mind of the fact that I had had myself there. But if, if they were looking at Gaza by then, I mean, he, he done himself no harm. Uh, put it that way because he was um, again he was Gaza was unplayable now man he was, really was I can't really get that over enough yeah I mean I mean, we beat, we beat him 2-0 um, it, it, that day I think may have been the uh, first day first game that um, they allowed uh, season ticket holders to go into the new well the Milburn end 
uh, Milburn stand. They started letting people go in there. Um, yeah, in, I always remember a clip. Um, it might have been a news clip. Yeah, it would have been. And the supporters are getting interviewed. They're getting snowed on. There's no mm-hmm. roof. And they're going, we've paid a fortune for this seat, but you know, we're not getting covered and all that. And it, it, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a good clip. I, I, again, another one, I'd, I'd ask people to go and view it on, on my YouTube channel because... It's fascinating to see people just go, you know, I still see him now, flat cap, old guy with a tash, and he's just going, it's, it's an absolute disgrace, we've paid all this money, we're sitting in this seat, and there's no bloody roof and all that, and it just made, that was just, you know, now people on telly, they get interviewed, they're very eloquent, you know, they're well sporting and that, and, but then it was just natural, um, yeah. but as you say, a 2-0 win, uh, following week, we play uh, Swindon, and, you know, I, I, last I can say this, this was my first game. My first game as a new cat. And what a game! I, 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 you know, my auntie and uncle at that point, the new who took me, my brother. Um, I can't recall getting tickets. I think we risked getting in, uh, but it was a capacity crowd, and it was it was nigh on twenty twenty nine thousand, um, which doesn't sound a lot now, but um, you know, it was literally a capacity crowd with a new stand getting built, um, and. I, Everything about it, I remember driving over the Tyne Bridge. I've, I've got memories of them parking up. Uh, I've got memories of going in, the um, trying to get in the A paddock, but setting for the E paddock. I remember being uh, milk crates um, at the back of the stand. So anyone who was at the back of the stand couldn't see, they would just stand on them. Um, <laughs> but I remember me um, uncle taking us down at the front and saying, right, you stand here, we're going to stand at the back. So we stood at the front, at the fence, crap view really, but you could just see through the, the holes in the uh, the fence, jam-packed. I remember Swindon bringing up a, a great crowd um, that day, but, you know, it was it was to and fro from what I remember the game, but um, Darren Jackson, who, as I said before, he, he was probably my first real sort of hero, oddly, Darren Jackson, I just loved the way he played, he was a bit of a utility man, he scored a screamer, uh, Gascoigne cut inside, cut one, uh, put one in the top corner, two and up at half time, and then second half it could have been ten. I mean, uh, McDonald missed a penalty if you remember, put it wide. Uh, Mike O'Neill scored a header. Gascoigne another penalty. Gascoigne scored. Paul Goddard icing on the cake five nil. I mean, for me, you, you you think what an introduction to going to football five nil. Um, I know, I know, you said you had a decent start. I think we played Charlton your first game ten years earlier. Um, but but five nil. I mean, Christ, it doesn't get any better than that. Um, but ironically, that was the result that indirectly sent Sunderland up, didn't it? A couple of years later in the play um, in the playoffs. Aye, certainly was. So what a, what a good luck show you were. <laughs> well, it, it, this is it. I, I look back really fondly on that day. The, the, I've got the I've got the, the the highlights from the 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 club, which they released their own match videos at the time. Uh, I've got the highlights from the extra time and. Uh, program which I mentioned before, and I'm fond of the game, but Christ, when you hear that news two years later, that it 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 was the start of things to unravel for for Swindon's directors, which I'll quickly mention. They were they were taking a um, regular payments for players. They were basically just being you know being dodgy, and uh, also Lou McCarry apparently betted on Swindon to get beat that day, um, and lo and behold, they got absolutely battered five nil, and uh, it unravelled. But yeah, Swindon through the next round. Um, you know things were looking up. Gas- <laughs> the Gascoigne Vinnie Jones incident, which we'll we'll quickly pass on. Um, in the following week at Wimbledon, a nil nil draw, more memorable for uh, Vinnie Jones grabbing Gaza by the balls. Um, but um, but yeah, you know, cup fever had hit Tyneside. But before then, we played uh, played Norwich, Norwich at home, another twenty thousand plus crowd. 
Um, yeah. But you, you remember this for a, a visit, visitor you said uh, really stood up that day. Can, can you tell a little bit more about the, the opponent who, who took the piss? Yeah, um, Robert Fleck. Yeah. Robert, Robert Fleck was unfavourable that day. I mean, we've been on a great run, um, well, a decent run. Uh, we obviously had the cup, the cup uh, successes against um, Swindon. Um, the, the half-decent result down Wimbledon, because Wimbledon was a hard team to beat. Uh, we had myself a little pre-season friendly against um, Monaco uh, in a game that I can remember, Gaza and uh, Mirandina having a, a bit of a fisty cuffs with each other. Right. Um, and then it, it come to this uh, Norwich game. And I think it was one of them games everyone thought we're just going to turn up and win. Yeah. And... Uh, <laughs> Basically, Flex scores first, and I think as I get an equaliser, and then um, Flex, Flex was just, I don't know, was something about him that day, and uh, the, the crowd turned a bit that day, you know. Right. They really did, because I was, because the, the, the ironic thing about you being on about the Swindon game and you being in the paddock, well, you, I never knew you were in the paddock, I think you probably were still right next to us because I was in the paddock <laughs> that day. Right, okay. Uh, I was back in the Gallagher for, for this one, and um, it, it was a, it was one of them ones, it was a, it, that just comes out of the blue, if you know what I mean. Uh, but just, I just, if I remember rightly, Rue Fox was playing for Norwich that day. You probably would have been, yes, yeah. And and he was a right handful. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, Fleck, yeah, he, he destroyed one. He really did. Well, well, as you say, that maybe they were keeping themselves for the cup game, um, Wimbledon at home, um. I let I let you talk about, it, but I remember watching uh, the highlights that night and being absolutely devastated because I didn't know the result, but I remember tuning in for uh, match of the day that night and we were one of the highlights highlighted games and uh, I let you take it away because it was you could say it was a bit of a come down. This this is probably one of the most anti climax games I've ever been to in my life because the the the, the excitement for this game. We knew Wimbledon were a bit of a bogey team, but we thought we had enough. We right. thought we had enough for these guys, you know. And I remember the clamour for tickets. I was very, very close to not getting a ticket for this game, and I was absolutely terrified. I got one at the last minute type of thing, you know. Yeah. Um, and I remember the night before, um, there'd been an interview on the telly, and it was David Burton interviewing um, their manager, you know, uh, Bobby Gould. And that absolute clip John McCurrick was on, you know, and he was... He, Unfortunately, he was some sort of Newcastle supporter. But anyway, <laughs> Bobby Gould. Bobby Gould was. Um, he was. He was just in it. Uh, he was just doing the Wimbledon thing, you know. And he was. Uh, David Burton was struggling a little bit with him. And then McCurrick just goes on one, you know. And he. <laughs> and I think Gould didn't know what to say. He just started laughing at him in the end, you know. He's holding his hands at the end. That stupid that hat he used to wear, yeah, and that. And he's yeah. uh-huh. But the game itself. The game itself. Oh, it was heartbreaking, it really was, because mm-hmm. everyone really expected something, you know, and mm-hmm. they get up to an early lead um, and possibly, possibly make it 2-0, if I remember, right before, I think McDonald gets a penalty back and yeah. then uh, uh, they finish it off, and it was little Terry Gibson again, you know, he was a right thorn in our side, that yeah. role, like, he was, uh, and obviously I had big fashion out playing for them as well. It was devastating, and it, it just carried on from the Norwich game, you know, um, the space of a week and I was really quite upset actually I was yeah. without a doubt I mean biggest crowd of the season about 100 more than the uh, the Swindon game um, you know 28,796 3-1 defeat uh, Mirandina mentioned uh, him, him kicking Dave Besson up the arse who was the goalkeeper <laughs> he, he mentioned that um, 
in his interview with Norman, and he, he, he well, Norman actually pulled them up and says, "Can you remember much about?" It? He says, "Yeah, things were just said, and I just, I just kicked them up the arse and started running." And uh, ironically, Besson signed for Newcastle the following summer, and uh, apparently Besson went up and says, "Mira, you know, don't kick up me up the arse again." And he, he says he just thought himself that was his perfect opportunity for Besson. He said, "He said, I mean, Besson was a bit of a beanpole. You could say it didn't look as if that had anything on him." But Mirandina said he was a strong bloke, very, very strong. And he says he could have just picked him up by the scruff of the neck and flung him to one side. He says, but he just, he just forgive him, you know. But, but as, as you say, out of the cup, and you, you, you could say that the season for me uh, probably went a little bit flat, even though results in the league started picking up. I mean, the, follow, the following, following week we played uh, Chelsea at home, which I, I, I hope you're going to talk about because you've mentioned it to me before. But we, we lost... We lost eleven thousand fans yeah. overnight. Yeah. Um, you know, but but Chelsea, who was struggling, we were still mid table, but Chelsea was struggling. Um, but it, it turned out to be a really, really good game, P- possibly one of the best games of the season. It's probably the, the game that sticks out in my mind um, a lot from the games I seen when I was younger because because the crowd dropped so dramatically. I mean, I people were devastated after the, the Wimbledon result, fair enough. But you say, I used to often get glory seat, cup glory seaters at the time, you know, I would turn up for cup games only, and then you would go back the nitty gritty of the league games and they were gone. Now, this game in particular, um, I remember, uh, what sticks in my mind, especially about this game, was um, when um, Chelsea gets a penalty, because Gary Kelly saves two penalties in this game, yeah. I remember up until our left, where you had the partially built um, part of the new Melbourne stand, when they get a penalty, as, as, as a group of them starts jumping up and down, I saw seem to remember this bloke having a big sheepskin jacket on, and uh, there were obviously Chelsea supporters, you know. Right. Um, and, I, and I just remember him getting a letter, just somebody come and hook them. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, and just stand that bloke, come over and hook them, and it was a, you know, a bit of a kick-off and the police got involved. But that sticks in my mind. But yeah, Gary Kelly saved two penalties. Um, um, Mirror scores a couple of goals. Mm-hmm. Um, what stands in my mind is, and people often ask, is what was the best goal I've ever seen in St James's Park? And it's this one, mm-hmm. all gas guns. Um, it was very similar to a goal he scored against Swindon, where he sort of wiggles in the box. Uh-huh. But this particular finish, um, he dumps about three of them on the ross and, and, and he lashes this shot, which nearly lifted the, the, net, out, the net off, basically. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And when he shapes the shrimp, you just sort of, from my angle in the, in the scoreboard, there's only goal in one place, and that goal has never ever been seen again. Yeah, I, I mentioned uh, before about the the, the match uh, videos you could buy on the old Betamax or the VHS back in the day, and you you would get the program and it would tell you if it had been you know made. I mean, the, the footage to be fair it was shocking, the it, grainy footage, crap commentary. Badly edited, but at the time, fo- football on TV was very rare, so people bought them. But as you say, um, it, it, it's it's got to be out there because it was released. But unfortunately, despite collecting footage for around about twenty to twenty five years, I've never come across it yet, and it's such a shame because right. you've mentioned this goal. Obviously, Mirandina got two. Uh, the the reckon Macfall hooked him because he he didn't look greedy enough for his hat trick, which I find ridiculous. Because if anyone was going to get a hat trick that day, it would have been Mirandina due to greed. Uh, Gary Kelly saves two penalties, and also I don't know why you may remember, but Kenny Wharton apparently was sent off that day. Uh, uh, I 
can remember, I can remember him being sent off, but I can't remember what he was sent off for. Yeah. Um, it was quite, it was quite, it was in them games. That was a lot happened in that game. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, especially, it's like now we never used to see a penalty. It's very rarely. Yeah. Uh, but to see it too in a game was was something in itself, like you know. But. Yeah, I can't remember why Wharton was sent off, but I can just remember that Gascoigne goal. And I hope if anyone hears this, uh, and they just so happens to find it in the loft, I would love to be able to see that goal again, just to see if it was as good as I remember it. You yeah. know, it might not be. It just uh, to me, it just seems something like, oh, yeah, you know? yeah, F- fantastic. So, so Chelsea, um, you know, great result really. Um, Mirandina got two that day, and then would be. Basically, be his last contribution of the season because uh, he never scored again, and within two games he was he was out injured. But we got a, a decent point down with Southampton, late equaliser from Michael O'Neill, uh, defeated Everton one nil. Um, so again, as I said before, it was starting to fall a little bit flat. But then we got a good result at uh, Arsenal, ones each. Paul Goddard, who scored the winner the previous season, scored, and then. Um, a 2-2 draw at home to uh, Coventry. And this was really when we started to see uh, Michael O'Neill um, come, come to promise because, you know, the side had been pretty much the same the majority of the season. But with Mirandina getting injured, O'Neill had come in as sort of a left-side midfielder, but then was pushed up front alongside Goddard. So he scored two against Coventry, and the following week we played Luton. Um, and you could see we got a bit revenge that day, Mick. From the game down, it came on my throat. For one reason or that, it was a game I listened to on the radio and I the beat were 4 0, the beat were quite um, easy. But there had been um, there was quite a lot of hesitation going on in that game, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was the it was payback time. Like you say, we were going on with a bit of a decent run. I had been down, uh, beat down in Everton for the, the, the game uh, in when we lost 1 right. 0. Um, obviously, we got, we got the decent result at Arsenal. The Coventry game, the Coventry game is a funny one because I was there, but it doesn't, it's not a game that ever stuck in my mind. Um, <laughs> the Luton game was totally different because um, O'Neill scoring go- goals for fun now, by the way. Yeah. And he was another one, he was an uncomfortable looking player. He did, he was skinny, that was now on him. Mm-hmm. A bit like Darren Jackson. Yeah. Um, I remember Darren Jackson made his, his debut, he was all hair, you know what I mean? Was, <laughs> yeah. This big wig before he got a cut, you know what I mean? You can see. And uh, I was a big Darren Jackson fan myself, you know, but um, Michael O'Neill, whatever he touched, turned the goal like, you know, and I mean, obviously got odds weighing in there as well. Well, I mean, it's famous for Kenny Wharton, isn't it? You yeah. know, he, 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 he had to get the. They were taking the maybe in the end, they were playing payback, you know? Yeah. Guys are juggling with the ball and doing your own the worlds and all this, and then Wharton just decides he's going to plunk his arse down on the ball, you know? And even there, uh, after it, guys are kicking the ball on Big Nick Hawford, who, you know, you talk about hard men in the game, you yeah. know? We'll talk about Billy Whitehurst and. Right, Hawford was as, was was as hard as the come, you yeah. know, and, and he just comes to Gaza and he just sort of rubs him on the back and walks away. Like, you know, he's he's basically know? he's basically let them know, look, he's a beat with four 0 but he didn't take the piss I, up. Yeah, I think so. I think that was just like, yeah, Gaza. That'll do, right? You've proved your point. Again, it's it's great because I managed to get a hold of this game and I've popped it on YouTube, etc., etc. But it's great because the funniest thing is at the end where you see the likes of Steve Foster and Danny Wilson, who were Luton players, and Pot- I, don't, I don't think Mick Hoffman was involved, but but a lot of them were going after Wharton, and Wharton was pretending to run off the pitch, but then the players were running with him, and then he was sort of pointing to sort of like um, Willie McFall, as if say. Well, how are you, my manager? You're gonna to have to save us, yeah. And again, 
it's it's brilliant because if that happened in this day and age, it would be there would be cameras all over, it would be headline news, it'd be all sorts. But it's it's hilarious. It's like a Benny Hill comedy sketch. Uh, uh, I remember that. Yeah. Because Kelly Warden was just a slight man, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah. <laughs> he was wearing a little curly, but uh, he, I can remember him running along and I'm arguing with him, you know, and uh, <laughs> you can see that was panic in his face. Yeah. Because they had the Steve Foster as well, didn't they? Uh, That's right. Who, uh, it was a it was a bit of a hard man there uh, where the headbands and all that yeah, mm-hmm. with the afro and that and he there was some some decent players in that side as well like, you know at the same but that that does remind me that <laughs> well that. well look, look, looking at the um, the fixtures I mean we played Derby who were coming becoming a good side under Arthur Cox I've been promoted I think a couple of seasons um, you know from third to second to first they were making a name for themselves in the um, the the first division as it was then, uh, and we play them. Was that was that an Easter Monday fixture, Mick? It, it was. I was down there. I mean, it mean a lot from the school. Like from Ashton went down. Unfortunately, that lad just passed away recently. Uh, oh, thank you, lad. Right. Which which is a, a shame. But uh, we uh, we went down to this game and. Um, We'll take the lead, Michael O'Neill scores again. It was the first time I've been at the baseball ground. Baseball ground was one of them old-fashioned tight grounds, you know, it was a great atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Um, you see, at a decent away end, and you would have, like, um, the seats, like, uh, there was two sections of seats above yeah. it, one about, because uh, the next time I went the year after, I actually went in the seats, but uh, I remember, like, um, going absolutely berserk when O'Neill puts in the lead, because... We're coming to become a decent side now, you know. We're playing some good football as well, you know. And this is where I always think Mac Paul never gets enough credit. He had us playing some good stuff that season. Um, unfortunately, um, we do want to hold on to the lead, and we'll, we'll come across. And with, um, I think Mick White was one of the lads I got to go out. We lost two one in the end, and uh, but I remember it being quite lively. Um, mm-hmm. He had a, a crew called the DLF, and um, I hope remember it was written spray painted on the wall. Go home, you gory scum, you know, because I had, had, had missed the A out of Jory, you know, and uh, the day I left, I'm going to get, you know. But that was a few uh, fisticuffs and that, not, not, not near us, but um, it was a disappointing defeat that one, I remember, and, uh, you know, uh, we started the game well, and I thought we were in for a win, but it wasn't the big. Well, well, Gascoigne, Gascoigne uh, got sent off a few occasions for Newcastle, and that was another game he got sent off. Uh, and I always remember reading the match report; and it said uh, he he got sent off and he kicked a bucket into the Derby crowd, which caused probably more problems. But but, but hey ho, uh, a defeat which it, at that point, um, you know, wasn't wasn't really common. Uh, so we were still doing well, we're still around about mid table. Um, another draw with QPR, not not a bad bad result. Mike O'Neill again. Um, we played Watford at home. Um, one thing you, you, you do notice though is that the t- even though we're sort of getting a little bit more consistent and being hard to beat, the tenants were, were dropping as low as sixteen thousand. Um, Watford three 0 Brian Tinian scoring, Kenny Wharton O'Neill again. So overall, O'Neill had scored uh, eight eight goals in five games. Um, and you know, Merendina had been with main main striker all season. He had you know cashed out on thirteen goals before his injury. And O'Neill was sort of, you know, didn't didn't make us miss him really. Um, but it was around about this time as well. But we can't not mention uh, the Mercantile Credit Festival at Wembley. Um, just just for the, just for the the listeners, um, this was uh, the hundredth anniversary uh, celebrations of the Football League in nineteen eighty eight. So the pre- the start of the season, there was a, a friendly at Wembley between an England 
uh, like a Great Britain eleven against the rest of the world in the Great Britain team. Absolutely battered the uh, rest of the world team and had Maradona, Platini, etc. And I think Lineker was even playing for the rest of the world team because he was with Barcelona. But um, the, the, the the English side won. Brian Robson, who was still a phenomenal player, he, he scored a couple. I think Norman Whiteside got the other. But but this mercantile credit, this was this was a celebration of it at Wembley. And just just to explain the format again to the listeners, it was basically um, I think it was was it ten minutes each way or twenty minutes each way. And, uh, uh, and uh, basically, it was just basically, you, you know, you, you play your game. I think the game started something like 10 o'clock in the morning. You played your game. Um, if you if you won, happy days. If it was a draw, it went for an instant penalty shootout, but it was a sudden death penalty shootout, wasn't it? It was just what, what, one one penalty and t- keep going until someone misses. Um, so as luck would have, have, have it, we got drew against Liverpool. And Liverpool put out their strongest team. Newcastle put out their strongest team, but we ended up beating them. <laughs> uh, it was it was mad. I remember listening on the radio, and I was absolutely buzzing. Because Neil McDonald uh, scores the winning penalty, if I remember rightly. Yeah. Uh, and what what they had done uh, down there because they had so many teams taking place. All the teams had like a, a pen to themselves, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Of course, a fair a few fair, um, fair few down there. Sorry. Um, but the typical. Newcastle, the United thing about the whole thing was, we'll beat Liverpool, then go and get beat up Tramia Rovers. Aye, and, and McDonald missed a penalty, didn't he? So, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's always been the same with us, I've told you that before. Well, oh, well, well this is it, and, and just, just to clarify, the reason why Tramia were there, amongst other teams, was fair play at the Football, uh, the, you know, the football Association. What, what they said was, at uh, the Football League, they, they, they said, it's going to be a merit, you're going to get a Wembley on merit, so it was, it was results over a certain period of time. Um, in the pick the top sixteen sides, uh, so that could have um, you know, eight fixtures, and um, you know, Sunderland were walking away with the third division, because uh, they were in the third division even back then. Mick, can you believe? Uh, so, <laughs> so uh, Sunderland were walking away with the league. They were there, so imagine that. Sunderland, I think Sunderland played Wigan, and we played uh, Liverpool uh, after them. And you know, imagine that Sunderland at Wembley, Newcastle at Wembley, both travelling down together. Uh, you know, you had you had Leeds there, you had Wigan, you had Liverpool, you had Everton, Forest, Sheffield, all these teams, and uh, every single one of them would have had a pocket of uh, daft lads there. But uh, uh, but yeah, as you say, we'll we crash out um, to to Tramia. Uh, another uh, another uh, draw um, at, at Watford, so we played Watford back to back. Defeated Charlton, which. Um, I always remember this one because Gascoigne had been suspended and he was due to come back, but for some reason, Willie McFall didn't pick him. He, he put him on the bench. Um, he put him on the bench that day. Um, and then we, then we ended the season, you know, three wins off the bounce. Uh, again, the crowds weren't fantastic, but we went uh, already relegated. Sorry, we beat Oxford, who were already relegated, uh, beat them 3-1 comfortably. Uh, goes, goes to Portsmouth, who would be relegated, and beat them, beat them 2-1. Um, a lad called Antloma, who had been... Uh, Coming through yeah. the ranks, um, yeah. who uh, who scored two goals in two goals in consecutive games, and then the last game of the season, West Ham. Who, if I'm not mistaken, mate, they were still within a very very outside chance of being relegated that se- that day because um, they named a goalkeeper as a sub, and yeah. if results had went against them, I think I think we had to beat them by something like six or seven clear goals. But 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 the you know last game of the season we could have we could have relegated them if results hadn't went you know against them. Um, but but yeah we, we win two one. Um, last games for 
a trio of players, but I'll let you take it away, Mick. Last game of the season, and you mentioned in the last podcast, pitch invasions were coming uh, a bit of a, a bit of a normality then, weren't they? Oh, yeah, I remember this game very vividly. Actually, I remember everything about um, it. was a nice sort of sunny day. I remember we went, uh, obviously, we were too young to drink, and I remember being down where um, we used to go and get our trainers from and all that, and walking around there, walking around the shops before we went to the game. And what was I thinking? Well, that's all you know, I wonder if West Ham are about and all that. Like, not like we were going to day out about it. Like. Oh. We got up to the game, went in the leaves, as in, and. Um, I think Stuart Robson um, was put them put them ahead. Right. Um, in I think Michael O'Neill again gets a goal. We went to one at the end. Mm-hmm. But what what stays in stays in my mind about this is it had become quite a, quite the thing for to do a pitch invasion at the end. Uh, we had done it against Charlton the season mm-hmm. before, and I remember I just remember like, you could see all the to and fro going on in the Gallagher end uh, when the final whistle went. Um, we will win the game. We we'll finish eighth. Brilliant. You know, we, we didn't normally finish eighth in the, in the top league. It was a new thing to us. But people didn't make it such a big fuss about that, really. But anyway, I just remember seeing the Gallagher come on and come scre- like screaming across the pitch and just making the beeline straight away for the West Ham fans in the, in the corner, like in the, right. in the corner of the Leasers. And me being in the centre Leasers, sort of next to me, I thought, oh, dear me. Um, and I think a, a lot of the West Ham fans made it get a bit twitchy, like, because... I was looking. I was thousands screaming across the pitch, like you know. Uh-huh. And I just remember a couple of lads, couple of lads doing all the paddocks um, before the Gallagher even got over, and they the, the were casuals, you know. And they just were just nonchalantly walking up to the West Ham fans, like, "Are you going to what? He's going to do, you know?" And yeah. um, it was it was a bit scary that actually, like, but the, the police got on top of that quite quick, and I don't actually think there was any, anything actually happened uh-huh. in the ground or. Uh, and then, then the fact the fashion was there. Well, that's the thing. What we'll do now, we'll pull the crossbar down, you know, yeah, yeah. a little bit of a, a reenactment of what Scotland threw at Wembley back in '77. That became the, the fashion. But uh, like I say, I mean, I was a, I'm a football fan, and I went away from that thinking, we've just finished eighth, you know, like, yeah. what's that? That's brilliant, you know, and uh, it, it, it was a, a cracking little run into the end of the season, and it was just nice to beat them as well. The start about them possibly going down, I couldn't remember that at the time, so that's uh-huh. news to me. Um, well, that would have been ironic. As it happens, in a strange sort of way, out of all the London clubs, West Ham's my favourite club. Um, I've got a lot of, quite a lot of respect for them, for some reason, I don't know. Them. Yeah. I don't mean just the proper companies are a bit more like us than what they in Chelsea, lot and all that. Yeah, all I, I think I, I, I could be wrong here, but it's probably because the, the, the that sort of is also runs what you could describe Newcastle. We we'll make up the numbers. We've got no success. We we, we we get this big carrot dangled in front of us. Now and again, we take a bite, and then ultimately, it just it falls apart, doesn't it? But uh, no. but, but Gascoigne scored the winner that day. Um, it was credited to Gascoigne, even though some sources say it's a Julian Dick's own goal. But uh, Gascoigne, I think, tapped it in from the line or behind the line. Who, who knows? But he, he got the credit. Um, and it was his last game, but it was also the last game for Paul Goddard, who uh, it's a bit frustrating this one. Because Goddard claimed he was homesick um, and he was later linked with a move to QPR, but they couldn't agree personal terms. And then he ended up signing for Derby because Arthur Cox, who was still the manager, said, you can commute from London. Um, But I think think a lot of people I know are sort of, at the time, they were saying, well, you know, homesick, if he didn't sign for anyone, you know, if he signed anyway, 
but London, then he's sort of taking the piss a bit. So I, I respect that, and I understand why people were a little bit pissed off with Paul Goddard about that. Um, right. But but also, um, fair play to him, because rumour has it Kenny Daglish coming from Liverpool, and he, he said, no, I've given Derby my word now, I'm not going to go back on it. So fair play, he could have he could have yeah. had an easy easy ride at a successful Liverpool team, but he ended up going to Derby, um, who I think I think brought their transfer-free record for that. So he, he did it in Newcastle, uh, yeah. biggest, biggest... Um, Biggest transfer free, and then he he moved on to Derby for their biggest transfer free. But but also yeah. Neil McDonald made who, me and you've had chats about Neil McDonald before. I, I let I let you talk more in depth about him. But Neil McDonald for me, I thought he was a little bit unlucky because, you know, bear in mind, he was a fullback, um, but Willie McFall played him at the right side of midfield most of the season. Yeah. He he was a penalty taker, um, you know, he 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 had been in and around the team for a number of years in the early eighties, but he made. You know, he he probably made more appearances than anyone. I could be wrong there, but over over a few seasons, and you know, you've said before Newcastle fans love to have a scapegoat, and Neil McDonald certainly was one. Mm. Uh, Neil McDonald was 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 kept disgustingly. Um, he was just a young lad, and when when he was a, a right fullback, you know, he was he was a very nervous character, but he had a lot of ability. I've never seen anyone be able to actually. Like sort of possible, his passing ability was amazing, and I mean, again, Mark Ford needs to take some credit. He pushed him further up, and he became a really, really good player. And he moved on to Everton for a decent fee, and, mm-hmm. and um, obviously made his debut the following um, start of the season again against us when I was down there. And uh, I was a very cultured player, Neil McDonald, and, and, and the, the, the state he took in the early eighties. And, and, and I'm going on about uh, the promotion season as well. You can even hear them. They used to show spotty and uh, the, the paddocks were vile against them, really, really yeah. vile. Mm-hmm. Um, but he grew into a really, really accomplished, good player. Um, he, he rarely missed penalties. Um, mm-hmm. It's just his passing ability was really good. And he petered out a little bit of that. I thought he petered out a little bit of that, which was a shame because I thought he, he, that was a really good player. And then he might have done a lot of time for Neil McDonald personally. Well, well, Neil McDonald, um, you know, said later that he he, he had to leave. I, I, there's there's always two sides, but Neil McDonald claims that he had to leave because he reckons it was uh, affecting his chances against the England side. That's that's yeah. how highly thought of he was, um, because McFall continued to play him at right midfield and John Anderson at right back. Um, yeah. So there was a story behind that. There's obviously the story behind Goddard. Um, and Gascoigne, as we said, you know, earlier, there was no chance we we're going to keep a hold of him. And I, I do remember. Um, at the time, being absolutely heartbroken, absolutely heartbroken, because he, because he was a young player of the year, um, he was fantastic for Newcastle. You know, he could win games on his own, and um, you know, the, the, there's there's so many stories, and I think Gaza's perhaps, you know, the, the, sometimes they say that um, your memories start becoming a little bit exaggerated as times go by because you can't, if you you can't tell one hundred percent what exactly happened and the, the stories of him. You know, ringing up uh, Tottenham and asking for a sunbed for his sister and a house for his parents and, and this and that. And I think it was just a, a, a tragedy that yet again for the third year and uh, third for the third time in four seasons, we ended the season selling our best player um, in, wow. in, in Gascoigne. And he bowed out with uh, around about 25 goals. Um, but yeah, he, he was gone. Um, so Mac Falls work, you could say, was starting to unravel. You know, we'd lost three of our best players. Um wow. But for once to back them, and um, <laughs> ridiculously that summer, um, actually at this point, I, I forgot to mention this, at this point we had uh, signed John Robertson, um, another one who had come in on a, a club record fee. Um, but 
I think that's a good time to leave it. Obviously, br- brilliant um, eighth place finish. A, crack, a cracking season overall, uh, yeah. despite a, you know, a bad start with Mirandina coming in as well. Um, losing my best three players is always going to be you know, t- tarnish it in a way. But the future looked bright in ways. And uh, no doubt we'll talk about that later, Mick. It's a season that sticks in my memory, and it was the one I was pleased to be there. You know, and like, and we touched on how the crowds were, were going up and down, and that. And it just goes to show, them days is very much results based. You know, and it, it brought a very, very enjoyable season, and we well above expectations. I would say, mate. Yeah, brilliant, mate. Brilliant. But as always, Mick, mate, probably a good time to leave it. Um, appreciate your time as always, Mick, and. Uh, We'll, we'll catch up again soon, mate. We, we might. We, I don't know whether to go ahead with the next one. We've, we've already done it to a certain extent with uh, on a previous podcast a few years ago. I think we may want to pick one a little bit more, um, let's say, enjoyable. But uh, no doubt I'll be in touch and we'll get one sorted, Mick. Not a problem. It's always a pleasure. I really enjoyed it. Good to hear from you. No problem. Thanks, Mick. Take care, mate. Bye. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.